0: For love. Welcome to Breaking Through with me, Kristen Rao Finkbeiner, powered by Moms Rising. We have a really great start of the year show for you where we touch base with grandparents for truth, people, the secret power of grandparents rising. Find out about it on this show. Then we dive into what's happening with the challenges to Trump's eligibility to be on the primary ballots, including in states like Maine. We hear all about it. After that, we discuss healthcare.gov, how to get healthcare coverage, people. We have open enrollment until January 16th, happening in the United States of America, and you too can get healthcare coverage. Through it all, we talk about what are our wins, what are our losses, and how can we make a difference together? We're going to jump right in with our first guest. We have a really spectacular guest who has the inside scoop that you're going to love, 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 love hearing from. Ethan Strimling, former mayor of Portland, former state senator, and one of the three challengers to Trump's eligibility to be on Maine's primary ballot. Welcome, Ethan.
1: Thanks. Good to be here, Kristen. Appreciate it.
0: I appreciate all of your service to our country, to the state of Maine, to the city of Portland, to democracy. What made you dive in and be one of the three challengers?
1: Well, what made me dive in and be one of the three challengers is Donald Trump on January 6th. You know, obviously he, he's trying to point the blame everywhere else, but we're in this moment because he decided to... Uh, he decided to attack the U.S. Capitol with a group of insurrectionists try to block the peaceful transfer of power so that he could retain power in an election that he lost. And obviously, that's relatively unprecedented. And subsequently, the response has been uh, unprecedented. And, you know, in the end, look, I'm I'm a big believer that in democracy. I want us to have as many choices as possible. If I had my druthers, uh, I don't think that uh, the constitutional... Requirement that you be born in this country you should even be included. You should be allowed to run even if you weren't. I, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger should be able to run for president if he wants. I'd never vote for him, but uh, he's welcome to do it uh, if that constitutional provision wasn't there. But uh, it is. And the other constitutional provision that is there is that uh, you cannot commit insurrection against the country. And subsequently, because Donald Trump did that, Uh, I called around to a number of folks that I had served with in the state legislature, um, Republicans, former Republicans, independents, and a couple others were willing to join in. They also are uh, firm believers that we can't have people going in the White House who have violated their oath of office. And uh, from there, we filed this petition um, for, for the Secretary of State to make this ruling and so far, she's uh, done a remarkable job, very thoughtful, and came through with uh, some pretty good pretty good answers.
0: Pretty good answers, and I love that you did this in a bipartisan way. One of the things that's happening in this moment, it is completely befuddling to me, who I believe in democracy, I believe in everybody's ability to cast a ballot and have it counted. I believe Indeed. that we should not have people who have led insurrections against the US Capitol be able to be on the ballot, because that's just ridiculous, right? and harmful and wrong, and it hurts democracy and our country. And so you brought together a bipartisan group of people. And how was that? Because that is democracy in action. When we have people of many parties coming together to protect the ability to vote and have our votes counted itself.
1: Um, you know, it was it was uh, both um, remarkably easy in the sense that, um, uh i think there are a lot of people out there who agree with us on both sides of the aisle and the first person i called tom saviello who i served with he was in the house when i was in the senate and then he moved over to the senate and he actually has been a member of every party he was a democrat he was independent he was republican um but he was a republican state senator and i've known him for a long time to be a man of integrity and he immediately said yes let me take a look at all the filings he just wanted to make sure he sort of understood Um, the constitutional issues, and he signed on. And then when I started reaching out to Republicans who were still Republican and still active within the party, you know, the sad part about it was that I probably spoke to half a dozen Republicans and they all agreed that um, Trump should not be allowed to go back to the White House. But they were just nervous about the repercussions that might happen from the base of their party. And these are people who are still Republicans, but not in elected office, right? And we wanted to go to, with former elected officials. And it was kind of sad that uh, a number of them were like, look, I run a business, uh, my workers could endanger them. And I think that's a bit of the state of the Republican Party today that people are scared of challenging their own party and uh, for the repercussions. And and look, this is in a state, of Maine, where we sort of pride ourselves on Republicans who are willing to stand up to um, the orthodoxy of their party, going all the way back to Margaret Chase Smith, who you know gave her great speech against Joe McCarthy back in the day, a Republican U.S. Senator um, first woman and she she sort of set the tone for Republicans to say you know what we're not always going to go with the orthodoxy and the Bill Cohen and whether that was Olympia Snow uh, who have really carried that tradition forward but that feels like it's been lost a little bit
0: yeah yeah I mean a lot of democracy has been lost in in part many people's analysis is that it's been lost due to a uh, high level of disinformation. As we've moved from being able to sort of have a couple of channels on TV, a couple radio stations, we've moved to media everywhere, multiple channels on our phones, multiple internet spaces, websites, multiple video options, social media channels. People aren't getting the same information anymore. And it's also really hard to tell fact from truth for many people. Do you think that the high level of disinformation is really fomenting this concern about being out of step with people like Donald Trump because they will put disinformation around your sort of what your policies are?
1: Yeah, for sure. And and the, the, the name that you ended on is where it starts, right? It's with Donald Trump. And certainly there are a lot of people out there who are putting out misinformation. But there's always been people like that since the beginning of the founding of our country. What we um, have rarely seen is somebody who is the head of the party engaging in this this level of disinformation, certainly. Uh, you know, there there's disinformation. George Bush and Dick Cheney provided quite a bit of disinformation around the Iraq war. But even that, you sort of see it as kind of this different. I actually think that they believed what they were saying. And right now we know that that's not happening. We just know that people are putting disinformation out in order to try to obfuscate, get away from the subject at hand and to try to undermine their opponents in a way that's um, is just terribly destructive and that there are media outlets that are willing to allow that to uh, or that are willing to parrot that information um, makes it even worse. But yes, we we see it uh, even here in Maine just as much as you'll see it in any other state.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because it's not only being spread as disinformation on some media outlets, it's also being micro-targeted and spread directly to people through social media and basically any place that you log into to get your media you can have disinformation micro-targeted to you. So what that means is that that disinformation never makes it into the community central space where we can say, "Hey, that makes no sense. That's not true." You know, we can't have a conversation across party lines about if, whether information is true or not. And so that leads up to things like January 6th where there was a lot of disinformation that propelled a lot of people to rise up against their country, against patriotism, against democracy. And so can you give our listeners a little bit of an insight into the lawsuit in Maine and what is happening right now related to January 6th? Right.
1: So in Maine, what's um unique about us is that the first bar to be able to uh, make a determination as to whether somebody is qualified to be on the ballot happens with our Secretary of State. Now that's not dissimilar from other states, but in other states um, it's much more of a perfunctory role. In our state law, the Secretary of State really has the ability to make the determination as to whether this person is qualified. So insofar as, for instance, if somebody says I'm 35 years old and I can run for president of the United States, our secretary of state can go look at the voter records, go look at the um, auto registration records and say, uh, wait a minute, you're actually only 22. So no, I'm not gonna put you on the ballot. It's not simply did you get the right number of signatures, etc. She has that power. Whereas in a lot of other states, you have to go to court where the secretary of state would put you on the ballot and then you as a voter would sue to say, I know that person's only 22. So we made the challenge to her and she held an eight hour hearing and held that hearing actually open for five days to give Donald Trump's team Plenty of opportunity to provide additional evidence, our team as well. She then took another week to really read all of that evidence and come down with her decision. And her decision bars Donald Trump from being on the ballot. Now, she's stayed that decision. uh, But as we speak, just uh, yesterday, Donald Trump officially filed his appeal. And that now goes to our Superior Court. And the Superior Court uh, basically has to rule by the 17th of January, so within a couple of weeks, And then from there, there's about a two week window for an appeal process to the Supreme Court, our Supreme Court, in which they get to rule. So we're looking at about a month of court action to get this done. Our primary is not till Super Tuesday in March. So we have plenty of time to be able to go through that process to be able to make sure that we can um, put Trump on the ballot or take his name off, depending on where the courts land. But that's basically where we are. So.
0: What was the reason that she said? You said it was super well reasoned. What was the reason for the ruling?
1: Well, when you get right down to it, there's three questions that you have to answer. Right. Number one is, was January 6th an insurrection? I think we all saw it with our own eyes. So we know what it was. It was the block. They were trying to block the peaceful transfer of power. And in fact, they did block that peaceful transfer of power for, uh, you know, up, upwards of 18 hours. Second thing is, did Donald Trump engage in insurrection on that day? And You know, what's interesting about this point, because the other side keeps saying, oh, he should be charged in a court of law. He should, he hasn't had any criminal conviction. This is just people having an opinions. That's really not true, right? There are, even before Shenna ruled, two courts in Colorado. One court that ruled that he should still be allowed on the ballot, mind you. She ruled that he was an insurrectionist. And she heard five days of testimony in which Donald Trump had his full opportunity in court to present all his evidence and did, And the other side did as well. She then took that evidence and reviewed it for a week. And after all of that, she looked at it and she said, yes, he is an insurrectionist. So that's kind of question two. He engaged in insurrection. And then question three is, does the 14th Amendment apply? And while that first judge said that the 14th Amendment didn't apply, she basically said, look, there's too many questions around this. And that's why I'm saying I can't definitively say it does or definitively say it doesn't. So I'm going to err on the side of caution and say it doesn't until some other judge tells me otherwise. Well, the Supreme Court told them otherwise and said, yes, absolutely. And and the oral arguments for that court hearing were, um, you know, very telling. One of the judges, Donald Trump's team, is basically arguing that the 14th Amendment applies to every elected official in the country, from water district trustee to county commissioner to United States senator. But it does not apply to the president of the United States, the most powerful person in the country. That person could commit insurrection and be allowed to get uh, reelected into that position, but your water district trustee could not. And the judge basically looked at Trump's lawyer, same lawyer who came to Maine, and said, "How is that not absurd?
0: How and is it not course, absurd? I agree." <laughs> I know
1: it. It, it is absurd. absurd. Yeah. yeah, and that's why they ruled, and so. I think once that happened as well, uh, our Secretary of State, Secretary Bellows, was able to look at it and say, those three questions, yes, there was an insurrection. Yes, he is an insurrectionist. been found as much by two courts of law outside of me. I'm not the only one who thinks this anymore, Any um, at this point. And the 14th Amendment does apply. A court has ruled that way. So she answered those three questions in the affirmative. It's about a 35-page ruling, went into great detail. So it's very well thought through.
0: How can people follow
1: along who don't live in maine uh certainly this is um going to continue to be headline so if you want sort of the mainstream press on this that's uh, pretty unbiased you can go to the press herald or you can go to um the bangor daily news both of those websites are covering it um you know for uh sort of a more progressive angle you can go to the main beacon uh they really do have been doing some very good coverage on this issue and there's plenty of people who are uh, sending out tweets. You can always go to mine at Mayor Strim, and uh, I try to keep up on that as best I can. Uh, so send out updates. Uh, but right now, as I said, it's in it's in the Superior Court. Hopefully there's going to be a public hearing maybe next week, and that will get some attention. And then um, they'll make a ruling, and we'll go to our state Supreme Court. So
0: Thank you so much for protecting our democracy, for saving our democracy, for lifting up actual real truth and for fighting disinformation. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you.
1: Glad to do it anytime.
0: We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. We'll be right back with the grandparent conversation. Why grandparents have secret superpowers that many people didn't know even had. We'll be back in just a quick flash.
2: we fight. fight for love.
0: Route Pink Feiner, powered by Moms Rising. We are here with the one, the only, the super duo, Grandparents for Truth, with Savante Myrick and Alana Bird, also from People for the American Way. Welcome, welcome, welcome!
3: Thank you so much. Thanks for having us here. Having sir. us.
0: Alana, how did you come up with Grandparents for Truth? What's happening? What's going on? What's the inside scoop?
4: Well, I certainly did not come up with Grandparents for Truth. Grandparents for Truth uh, was actually founded by. Um, our well, the idea was sort of a group collaboration idea. Um, but uh, March Baker, who's our um, executive vice president uh, here at People for the American Way, is a grandparent. Uh, we were sort of seeing the rise of authoritarianism and uh, book challenges and bans. And March and a couple other grandparents in our circle thought to themselves, "What is you know? There's a lot of groups out there really challenging these challenges, challenging authoritarianism, but..." What's happening for grandparents specifically? How can we counter authoritarian groups like Moms for Liberty um, with the knowledge and wisdom and love that comes along with being grandparents? So that's kind of how it started. And uh, I was happy to take the mantle along with Marge um, and and our wonderful team at People4 um, to kind of get the ball rolling and see what we can do to to get that started.
0: And Savante, how did you get drawn in? What happened?
4: Yeah, well, this is funny. You should mention. So,
3: for folks who are listening, which is everybody, um, I am not a grandparent, uh, though some white is coming into my beard, uh, and just that I'm 36 now, which Alana tells me is old, uh, but I assure her is not. We it, we work for some folks uh, here at People for the American Way who are much older than us, and Norman Lear in particular, who is our founder, just passed away one month ago. He's the legendary TV producer. World War II veteran, he made All in the Family and the Jeffersons and Good Times and Mod, et cetera, 101 years old. He and Marge uh, stood up and said, look, there, there have to be other grandparents like us. Can you whippersnappers, that's my word, not theirs, can you whippersnappers help uh, us find them online, help us spread the word that we're putting this group together? So we created the digital infrastructure. Uh, these grandparents did the rest. And it really was um, the very, you know, I wasn't even sure it was going to work. Because those of us who live online and have done some of this organizing, we you know it can be scary and intimidating. And it wasn't until Alana and I went to Philadelphia, our first in-person meeting of Grandparents for Truth, I was approached by a woman who was eighty years old, and she said, "I want to be involved here. Can you get me in this group? Can you put me online?" And I said, "Okay, but you just so you know, you know, that people will say mean things, and you have to be, you have to watch out and organizing stuff." She looked me in the eye and she said, um, "I'm eighty. I ran out of Fs to give." 10 years ago. (laughs) What can they do to me? I want to stand up for my grandbabies. I want to stop them from banning books in our school. And I want to stop them, frankly, from shutting down public education as we know it. So that's what Alana and I do. We support these grandparents. We help connect them and we make sure uh, that they can stay in this fight together.
0: And how's it going? I mean, it sounds like it's going marvelously well. One of the things that I see around me and i love your comment about the person saying you know hello i'm 80 i have no more f's to give there was just in the atlantic an article that said the older you get the less worried about everything that you get the less worried you are about what other people think of you the less social anxiety you have the less anxiety you have about you know did i enter into that room correctly or you know did i do things exactly right By the time you're older, you have seen some things and you know you don't want to make the perfect the enemy of the good. And so are you seeing that with your grandparent activists that they're just like, yes, we know truth. We know justice Mm -hmm. and banning books and taking away bodily autonomy is not right. So we're just going to speak out.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's two things that happen at once, which is is very special in grandparents and make them really powerful organizers is that one, the past is very real to them. It's not academic. Norman yep. fought fascists with his two hands, right? He knows what happens when you don't say enough for truth, when you allow people. The first books the Nazis banned, the very first um publisher that they shut down, they dragged all the books in the square, and they lit them on fire, where it was groundbreaking research into trans medicine. Uh, that is the truth. And so he knew... Uh, that when you come for one group, you're coming for everybody. It's the first thing that happens. Another thing that happens is, as you say, they they lose some of their social graces, as my own mother can attest, uh, who's who uh, I made a grandmother of, uh, a year ago. I, as if I did it. My wife made her a grandma. But the third thing that happens is, as you say, they are less concerned about their social graces and they are more concerned about their grandbabies. They will do yes. anything to make sure that they have a fair shake. And that's been really, really powerful.
4: I was just on the uh, phone with uh, a wonderful lady uh, down in Florida who um, started a an organization and, and is a Grandparent for Truth uh, and is really looking forward to heading up one of our clubs with Grandparents for Truth. Um, she was just saying that uh, she, she was planning an event and she said, I'm going to go to jail for this. And he said, you know, I hope not. She said, I don't care. <laughs> she said, this is more important. And and then um, to echo what Savante was saying about uh, Norman, uh, my own mom is the is the child of grand uh, of Holocaust survivors, and uh, so she she uh, she and I heard you know our whole lives how this starts, how it goes, and how it ends. Uh, and specifically in this context, how it starts is what we're seeing now. I mean, it's it's not just book banning, but that's what we're the little pocket that we're focusing on here. Um, you know, we're we're seeing uh, grandparents are directly in, you know they have the memory, they have the direct involvement.
0: And one of the things we've heard, we've learned, and we've relearned time and time again is that we don't want to let bad history repeat itself. And history does repeat if we don't take proactive action. And so taking that time to read the books that have the full truth, the full complete and whole truth of our history, um, to really learn real history, to have schools that teach comprehensive history and also um, sex ed that is age appropriate is super important and grandparents know that. I love that you're raising that grandparents know that. What else are you learning? And also how can people get involved? Like I know that there's probably a lot of grandparents listening. We know that the audience of radio is often older. As my own grandmother, who sadly passed away last year at nine days shy of her 106th birthday told me all the way into the end is that there is no old, there's only older and age is just a number. So. We know that there may be a lot of grandparents listening to this right now. So how can they get involved?
4: Well, I am not as old as Savante, who is quite old in my book. I'm actually three years younger than him, um, but I am also a, a radio listener. Um, and uh, just in terms of, so what else are we learning about grandparents? Something, so my grandparents are are all passed away, unfortunately at this time, but um, like I said, two of my grandparents are Holocaust, were Holocaust survivors. Um, And what I got from them is that they were old. Like they did, they would be fascinated by the iPhone now. They would be some of the things that come out of our mouths. Like my mother and I joke around about how it would just be completely like, it wouldn't make any sense to them. Uh, My grandfather loved making crystal radios and things like that. So he would love this kind of technology. But uh, they were old, they were old to me. They would not, you know, know how to use social media. But the grandparents of today are people like my mom, like Savante's mom, who absolutely are the first people to say, did you know what I found on Facebook yesterday? Or, you know, like I, I haven't, my mom will say, I haven't seen you post on Instagram in a while. Is everything okay? Like that's how she tracks me. So grandparents of today are not the grandparents of of, of our time perhaps. Um, and they are active. They. They ran out of F's to give. They really like they, they. are sometimes more social savvy, social media savvy than I am. Um, and in ter- and in terms of you know ways to get involved, so we're launching Grandparents for Truth clubs. Uh, this is a way for grandparents, uh, a sort of distributed organizing model, a way for grandparents to uh, start their own version of Grandparents for Truth in their hometown or their home county or their home municipality. Uh, And organize and mobilize their friends, their allies, their grandparents adjacent uh, to come out and speak out against, you know, a a school board uh, meeting with a bunch of Moms for Liberty or similar groups uh, locally, because unfortunately, there are a lot of these cropping up all around the country and and we are a small team and so uh grandparents know their their areas the best and so they're best able to mobilize and, and wear their grandparents for truth t-shirts but speak to the specific issues themselves. I That's love it. There's the t-shirt. So is there a website? Yes. Grandparents yeah. yes,
3: grandparentsfortruth.com. You could also find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, grandparentsfortruth.com. That's where you can get the t-shirts, the hoodies, uh the crew necks and uh, and where you can find other grandparents who engage in this fight all over the country.
0: And is there a toolkit to start your own grandparents for tooth area? Yeah, so it's being finalized and beautified as we speak.
4: Uh, should be ready very soon. So in the meantime, folks can just uh, fill out a form online and uh, it'll take them to my my email personally. <laughs> and I try to respond as quickly as possible. We have a quick conversation, make sure that they're in this for all the right reasons, which we're sure they are. Uh, And then they get their swag packet and their resources and their trainings
2: and all that good
0: stuff. Ooh, swag packet. That's awesome. I love this. Now, listeners, either you are a grandparent or at some point in your life, you have had a grandparent. So I believe that this is really helpful to everyone. And one of the things about grandparents and moms that I think we have in common is we're often overlooked political force. There are a lot of moms. There are a lot of grandparents. As we come into the 2024 elections, hello, it's 2024, I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, what are you all seeing in terms of the power of grandparents to shape the national dialogue and to shape the outcomes of the elections that are happening this coming November?
3: Yeah. Well, this is part of Norman and Marge and the rest of the grandparents' reasoning is that uh, seniors voted the highest rate of any demographic. They also donate to campaigns at the highest rate of any demographic. They also, those who are empty nesters, are more likely to attend school board meetings, uh, local government meetings, and to run for office than those who are actively raising children. This makes them extremely potent and undertapped political resources, we think, at the national level. So we hope to help change that. And Alana, as our lead organizer, is changing that as we speak uh, by turning the, the all of this energy and this wisdom uh, and to a force to be reckoned with come November,
0: I'm really excited. Um, also, grandparents and moms United are just, you know, unstoppable. We yeah. saw in the last election that of the one hundred and seventy races for school board that the moms against Liberty, endorsed, (laughs) that only 30% won. They lost 70% of the races. And we've seen in a lot of the polling that actually 80% of moms don't want book bans. 80% of moms don't want our bodily autonomy, you know, sort of taken over by some extremist group. And, you know, actually, moms don't want our children to have fewer freedoms than we do. I bet grandparents are in the same boat. They don't want their children or their children's children to have fewer freedoms than they did. Is that what you're hearing? Well, I think we're definitely
4: hearing it, given the fact that the Washington Post, uh, in their in and out national uh, or or annual um, article put, Moms for Liberty is out and Grandparents for Truth in.
0: I love that. Did that happen?
4: Yeah, we were second in line. I love that.
3: Yeah, and, and, and it's for exactly the reason you you saw. We saw all over the country folks wake up to the fact that despite having a good name, Moms for Liberty is anything but. And once once moms, uh, dads, grandparents, once everybody realized what the agenda of M4L was, they were alarmed by it. Like, look, they, most parents want good age-appropriate sex education because they know that this is actually what protects young people. Uh, having the right word and terms... Um, for what is healthy and appropriate sex uh, and uh, knowing how to recognize abuse, knowing how to report it, is what keeps our children safe. Turns out to be an extremely motivating factor at the polls. So we saw from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin to Atlanta, a bunch of these extremists uh, voted and pushed out. And in fact, we're, we're in the midst of a recall effort in Temecula, California, where Grandparents for Truth have been a potent force. And, and helping to rid what was one of the top school districts in the entire country that had been taken over by an ultra conservative far right uh, um, sort of fringe majority. That majority is now unraveling under the pressure of a recall. And we're excited to see what comes next.
0: I am so excited too. We have like 30 seconds left. Can you again tell people how to get involved because you know everybody wants to get involved.
3: Yes. grandparents You can search us on all your social media and it's a it's a program of People for the American Way. So you can also search on Google People for the American Way to see all the great work we're doing to defend truth, justice, and democracy.
0: Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you to all the grandparents who are listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. We're gonna take a quick break. Don't go away. Next up, healthcare, your healthcare, how you can get Pretty inexpensive health care by January 16th. We'll be back in just a quick flash. Welcome back to Breaking Through with me, Kristen Rao Finkbeiner, powered by Moms Rising. We are joined right now by a spectacular, spectacular, spectacular guest. You're going to love, 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 love hearing from Martha Sanchez, who is with the Young Invincibles. Welcome, Martha. Thank you. Hi there. Thank you for having me. I'm excited that you're on. So for people who are just settling in, what is the Young Invincibles?
2: Yes. So the Young Invincibles, we are a national nonprofit organization founded all the way back in 2009, um, when the Affordable Care Act was being drafted. And it was started by a group of college students who wanted to make sure that young people were included in the Affordable Care Act and who pushed to make sure that young people could stay on their parents' health insurance until age 26. Since then, we've evolved um, and we continue to advocate for the economic empowerment of young people ages 18 to 34 specifically when it comes to access to higher education, healthcare and workforce opportunities. And in healthcare specifically, we advocate for affordability and accessibility, and we continue to champion um, the Affordable Care Act and ways to make it stronger and better.
0: And it is so important that we lift up the Affordable Care Act. A lot of people don't know what the Affordable Care Act does. So prior to the Affordable Care Act being in place, we didn't have consumer protections, including for young people in terms of healthcare. So you could actually be pushed off your insurance, your health coverage for pre-existing conditions and pre-existing conditions could include your gender, right? Like these pre-existing conditions were things like asthma, which like one in five people in America or one in 10 people in America have. I mean, it's just like was absolutely ridiculous. And now, because of the Affordable Care Act, another thing that happens for young people is young people can stay on their parents' insurance until they're age 26, which is spectacular. But the Affordable Care Act also opened up coverage for a lot of people who didn't have it, including young people. In fact, more than 30 million people who didn't have access to healthcare coverage got healthcare coverage when the Affordable Care Act came to be. And then, now, each year, we have to sound the alarm and let people know, if you need health insurance, there are actually options and opportunities through the Affordable Care Act for you to get health insurance, including again for young people. And this year, the healthcare.gov enrollment exceeded 15 million people, surpassing previous year's milestones. So what happened and how long do people have to enroll if they haven't done so already?
2: my gosh. Yeah. So what happened is that um, there have been a couple of laws um, that have been signed by President Biden um, that have extended premium tax credits. And what these are are basically um, discounts that you get if you go in the marketplace based on your income and those discounts have been expanded. So more and more people qualify. So a lot of people, if you're not eligible for Medicaid, but you are lower income, um, or middle class, you may qualify for plans that are $0, $10, $25 a month, which is pretty amazing, very affordable. So that is does make this um, a great offer um, to take advantage of before the deadline, which is January 16th this year. Um, so we encourage everyone to go on healthcare.gov, take advantage of it. What's also happening um, are some other drivers that are not as great, um, which is Medicaid unwinding. A lot of people are losing their Medicaid because they haven't renewed, um, and they may actually no longer be eligible because their income changed since the start of the pandemic. Throughout the peak of the pandemic, states were letting people um, keep their Medicaid regardless of any changes in income um, and without requiring that an application be um, submitted for renewal, now that's changing and so people are using their medicaid so we still want if you're eligible for medicaid you should absolutely renew your medicaid make sure that your contact information is up to date with your state agencies Um, if you go on healthcare.gov it will still direct you to medicaid based on your income so that's another way to check out if you're still eligible Um, but if you know that your income has increased that you're no longer eligible for medicaid if you're also not eligible for an employer plan definitely take advantage right now of healthcare.gov and and shop for a marketplace plan. They're very affordable right now. And not only is this a record year when it comes to enrollment with over 15 million people enrolled already, um, it's also um, a record time for young adults. This This is when we've had the most number of young people ages 18 to 34 enrolled in a marketplace plan. We're at a little bit over 4 million, I'm hoping to surpass that. But it, it's it's great news. I hope it motivates people to, you know, go to healthcare.gov, see what your options are, see what the options are for your family, and find a plan that's convenient. Think about, you know, your chronic conditions right now. Like new year, new me. Let me focus on my health. Self-care is so important. Um, And we know that about 50% of young people have at least one chronic condition, which is astonishing. Um, But, you know, that includes uh, obesity, heart disease, diabetes, mental health, depression, anxiety. We know that a third of young adults are suffering um, from mental health issues. Take advantage right now to shop for a plan that would make sense for your uh, mental health coverage so that you know something that makes sense in terms of your co-pays and deductibles so that you can actually afford to take care of yourself this year.
0: And when you go to healthcare.gov, there's also a phone number. If you're like me, sometimes I'm like, ooh, I don't want to put my information in at first. I want to hear about my options and my plans. And just go to the bottom of the page. On the right side bottom of the page, it says connect with us questions, and there is a phone number. Now, one of the things I love about healthcare.gov, and you kind of referred to it a little bit in what you were saying, is that once you go in there, you can put your information in. Boom. First time applying here, start your application. Put your information in, and then it gives you a few options to choose from. There's a couple plans usually that you can decide, hey, do I want this, or do I want that, or do I want the other thing? And they are usually extremely affordable so no longer can people be pushed out of having health care coverage due to either a pre-existing condition or because it's so 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 much more expensive than you know like a new car um which it was in the past so i think it's really important if you're wondering if you can get insurance i've talked to so many people i bet you have too martha who are like hey i wouldn't qualify for Derek.gov. There's no way for me to get health insurance. I'm like, just check it out. Just you know, fill out the application form or call, and you will be so surprised. One friend, they did that, and they are paying ten dollars a month for health care. Right? Like this is like real deal here, people. People are paying ten dollars
2: compared to twenty thousand dollars from one ER visit. Maybe for something small. Sometimes we overreact and we panic and we you know Google what our symptoms are and we think we're dying and we go to the ER and Turns out it probably wasn't an emergency, but you're still stuck with the bill. Um yeah. just have peace of mind. And I'm so glad that you brought up the phone number because there is help. Like if you are overwhelmed by it, try the number, but also go to um, getcoveredamerica.org. It's a connector tool where you put in your zip code and it will tell you um, navigators near you, people who are trained and certified to help you go through this process, fill out the application, and help you select a plan. Um, So you don't have to do this alone. Um, There is help. There is a network of navigators across the country um, who right now are eager and ready to help you um, figure out a plan that works for you and your family. So there is plenty of help out there. Um, And these are navigators that are not going to steer you into a specific plan or insurance. They're really just there to make sure that they are helping you complete your application. Is, um, and what's great about them as well is that they have knowledge in terms of like, maybe you are eligible for Medicaid, maybe you, there are other options that you should be exploring. They'll be able to let you know.
0: What's that website again?
2: Getcoveredamerica.org.
0: Love it, getcoveredamerica.org. Okay, and people who are listening, you have to take action by January 16th for 2024 coverage. That's the open enrollment period. Again, it's from now through January 16th. If after January 16th, you have some major change in your life, like you lost a job, then you can be eligible for coverage. So if you miss the January 16th deadline and sometime you know later in the year, in April, something happens in your life that's a big change, don't assume you can't get coverage. Still check in with healthcare.gov. But in the meantime, everybody now needs to get in by January 16th um to have that coverage for 2024 what are your thoughts on how to explain that like if you have something major change yeah. you can go after January 16 it's hard to explain to people how would you explain yeah. it
2: so one always go to healthcare.gov or contact a navigator near you for um you know we all have special circumstances but the major ones are say you get married you have a child you lost your job you moved to a different state um Those are all um, circumstances that could make you eligible for a special enrollment period um, where you would have a number of days to go through this process. Um, However, the most convenient time is right now before January 16th, uh, because that way you're not worried about, do I meet the requirements for these exceptions? For example, if if your job offers um, insurance and you just forgot to enroll during your job special enrollment, unfortunately, that is not like a circumstance for where you would be able to do this, right? So you want to take advantage. Make sure you're informed. Um, if your job offers insurance, make sure you're you're completing that. But if you don't have insurance, now is the best time because otherwise, you know, if you get sick in March, but you're in the same state, you haven't gotten married, you haven't moved, you're literally living the same life that you are right now, you cannot just buy insurance. Um, There is a period of time in which you are able to take advantage of um, the Affordable Care Act and that is right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. So how you do that is you go to healthcare.gov. I feel like we're an infomercial, but (laughs) I have to tell you, I love the fact that you can get health insurance in the United States of America at an affordable rate, right? Again, sometimes as low as $10 per month, sometimes $0 per month. I mean, really, not everybody gets really, really inexpensive healthcare, but many people do. And you don't know until you check if you can qualify for that coverage. So it's at healthcare.gov. Check it out. Don't assume you can't get covered. <laughs> do you talk to a lot of people who assume they can't get covered? Yes. Um, and they also happens to me like every day what you you saying?
2: Yeah, they also assume it's just way too expensive. And yeah. you know, the, the discounts are on a sliding scale. So for some people, they may see plans that are 75, 100, even $200 a month. But you have to put that into the context of your health, of what peace of mind stands for you. Um, and of the reality that, you know, should something happen to you, even an annual physical is going to cost you around 200 out of pocket. So yeah. um, not to mention if you need dental work, um, that's thousands of dollars. So it really does um, make sense to invest in yourself, in your health. Um, don't give up the opportunity to get covered.
0: Yeah. And how can people support the young invincibles?
2: Um, you can get involved. Go to org. Sign up for our newsletter. We are always sharing resources for young adults as well as opportunities to get involved um, because we know that our healthcare system is not perfect and there are many opportunities to become an advocate to continue to improve it, um, to continue to make sure that we have affordable plans in place. Um so I encourage everyone to go to org and um actually go on our social media go follow us on Instagram We're on TikTok as well. Um give our TikTok some love. We try to be funny for you guys. Um so yeah, get involved. We are definitely here to support and help.
0: And what's your advice to people who are saying, eh, "I don't need healthcare. I'm not going to look" I mean, that's, you know,
2: how we got our name is because before the Affordable Care Act, people thought that young people were invincible, that we never got sick, that we did not need health care. And we actually were like, "Um, we're not, you know, fully invincible. We do get sick. Again, half of us have chronic conditions that if we don't manage can turn into more serious illness. Um, And we're seeing the data that more and more young people, unfortunately, are getting uh, more severe forms of cancer, et cetera. Um, And so it's just really important that we are realistic with ourselves. Um, We need to take care of ourselves, of of our mental health, of our physical health, um, and make sure that we're we're protected.
0: So everybody, go to healthcare.gov and also join and support the Young Invincibles. Thank you so much for being on, Martha. Thank you for all you do. Thank you to the Young Invincibles as well.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having us and for spreading the word about enrollment in healthcare.gov.
0: We're gonna take a quick break. Don't go away. Next up, we're talking wins, victories, narrative shifting, how we together have made a difference, and how we're gonna make a difference. We'll be back in just a minute. We're gonna fight, for fight, for
2: fight for love. Fight
0: for love. Fight for love. Fight for love. Welcome back to Breaking Through with me, Kristen Rao Finkfinder, powered by Moms. Rising, we are joined by the super producer, the super radio host, the super musician, Eric Ryder, who is on 1150 AM, KKNW, and more. And we're going to talk about wins. Welcome, Eric.
5: Hi, Kristen. Happy New Year.
0: I'm so excited to talk with you because you're actually really good at radio.
5: (laughs) I'm still (laughs) learning. (laughs) You do great. I, I love the show each week.
0: I love working with you each week. So what happened that you remember in 2023 that were big wins?
5: Well, you know, that's a good question because for a lot of folks, 2023 seems like kind of a dark year. Like uh, there was some bad (laughs) stuff that happened in the world, you know? So I I don't know that I feel great about 2023, but, you know, you sent me this article uh, from Moms Rising about some of your top 10 wins showing the power of moms. And so I'm very excited to hear about those because – I'd like to have a, a different outlook on twenty twenty three and have that energy of these wins to help power us into an exciting and hopefully much better for the world twenty twenty four. So why don't you tell us about some of these these huge wins that mom's rising was a big part of?
0: Yes, we had a ton of wins that we didn't anticipate happening, and they were brought to us by our over a million members, including members in every state in the nation. And I just want to set the scene for 2023 for people who are listening around the country of where Eric and I have been. We live in the Pacific Northwest, and it has been the rainiest, cloudiest, foggiest, no sunshine out winter already. Uh, (laughs) I
5: I got to disagree. I gotta disagree with that. I think it's you been need- a it's been a beautiful, fantastic winter so far. It's been quite warm. We've had lots of sunshine, lots of walks with the dog, at least for me. Um, but yes, today is quite rainy. So <laughs> Oh
0: my gosh. I have just been struggling with the sun coming up after eight AM and the sun going down around four PM. Very excited about solstice. The days can is- be quite
5: short around here, that's yes. for sure.
0: Yes. Yeah. So coming out of that. We had New Year's Eve and we are opening up 2024, looking for big victories, looking at a big election cycle, presidential election cycle. And looking back at what we accomplished on 2023 with Moms Rising, at least, was pretty, pretty, pretty epic. So, in our top 10 that we had at Moms Rising, again, brought to you by the Moms of America, over a million of them, including moms in every state in the nation, we made history with the biggest executive order from president biden on care and the history of our nation the absolute biggest it was an executive order on increasing access to high quality care and supporting caregivers there were 50 key actions within it it was a giant victory and one of the reasons for this giant victory is because listeners members people raised their voices and were heard they said we want action and action happens so that's the yeah. number one win but the number two wins are that we've helped move forward things like the conversation on the importance of child care. Everybody needs child care people. Most people need child care at some way or another at some point in their life. And in fact, parents need kids to be in safe enriching places so they can go to work. Care workers need living wages so they can stay in the jobs that they love and child children need to be able to have child care facilities and settings and schools in which they can thrive. So businesses, though, too, need to have good child care facilities mm-hmm. so they can keep those highly valued employees. And we saw a $16 billion in child care stabilization grants requested by the White House to Congress. That was big. That was big, big, big. So we're seeing wins. Those are two wins, Eric. I mean, you know, Those are some good wins. And
5: it's definitely a topic that you've covered on the show here quite a bit in 2023. So I can tell that you're very passionate uh, about advancing affordable child care. So glad to hear that uh, some progress was made.
0: Yeah, for sure. We need more progress, people. Don't take the pedal off the metal. (laughs) (laughs) We need more progress. And that's the thing. A lot of people think, oh, we're going to win everything in one day or one week or one month or even one year. But the truth of the matter is anything big that's ever been transformational lifted our country, our businesses, our economy, our families has taken more than a year to pass. So this is the year of persistence or the years plural of persistence and passing things like childcare and actually paid family medical leave and and homing community-based services too. So those are big wins. The next big wins, we saw in the 2023 elections. And that was defeating book bans and censorship, defeating the moms against liberty. We helped defeat also a parent's bill of rights, which really was a parent's bill of wrongs. It was federal legislative framework Hmm. that advanced book bans and censorship that extremist Republicans pushed in Congress. We helped defeat that. And also around the country, we helped defeat I was going to say yucky, but we helped defeat (laughs) candidates for school boards who were not only yucky, but also were for book bans and censorship. And um, and you know we even won in places like Florida. So of the 170 local candidates that the Moms Against Liberty supported only 30% won. So they had a 70% loss rate. And that's because of moms, dads, people, grandparents rising up saying, hello, we actually want truth. We actually want real liberty. We want our children to not have, we want our children to avoid having fewer freedoms than we did. And, you know, people have been speaking with their votes and thank you to everybody who's been voting. We need you to vote again in 2024.
5: Yeah, all these things are things that are great, but definitely still need built on, and and you got to keep moving forward with all these.
0: One hundred percent. We have another win. Are you ready?
5: I'm ready. I feel like I need a drum roll for all these, but uh, I know <laughs> we'll what see what like we, <laughs> <laughs> we get to the end here.
0: Number four win was uh, securing abortion rights in Ohio. Moms Rising helped get out the mom vote in Ohio that really resulted in that historic victory that ensured our children here too didn't have fewer rights than we do in passing Ohio's issue one, a ballot initiative that protected the right to abortion in the state of Ohio. It was a really, really big deal. And it was a really, really big deal in part because Ohio is kind of a purple state, meaning it's not a solid Democrat state, not a solid Republican state. It's right there as a swing state and people resoundingly loudly, vigorously voted to support access to abortion care. And that's important. That follows the polling that we're seeing. The Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Independents, Green Party people all support access to abortion rights, all support people being able to make decisions with their doctors about their own bodies. And it was a big victory. So Ohio was win number four.
5: Pretty much anywhere where this question has been put on the ballot, uh, voters have turned out to you know, say, we want choice.
0: Yeah. We've seen it time and time again. Yep, it's So important. Our fifth win of 2023 was advancing the rights of pregnant and breastfeeding workers. We joined with allies to help ensure the equitable implementation of a law, a set of laws that we helped pass, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act and the Pump for Nursing Mothers Act. It is a big deal. We helped figure out how to implement it, and we help get the word out about how to get access to those new protections. So that's a big win, that's number five. Number six is we helped expand access to healthcare. People, not everybody has access to healthcare yet. Some states have not really accepted money from the federal government for Medicaid expansion. Don't know why, makes no sense. At some point, everybody gets sick. Everybody should have a chance to get better. But in places like New Hampshire and North Carolina, locally, Moms Rising fought for health care expansion, Medicaid expansion in particular. And in North Carolina alone, we got six hundred thousand more people access to health care. That's a big deal, Eric. No doubt. So expanded health care coverage—that's a win. That's a win. Absolutely. That's a
5: right there. Yeah, yeah. Still uh, quite a ways to go, but every little bit counts, and every little bit is important.
0: Yeah, for sure. The next win was about paid family medical leave not a full legislative win yet people but a couple of states passed paid family medical leave Yay! and we had the first ever hearing in the u.s senate finance committee and many member stories from moms rising were shared in that hearing so it's no longer a question of if but when we pass paid family medical leave like most other nations have already done We just have to keep the pressure on. So we saw some victories. We saw some moving of the ball down the field. We didn't see the actual touchdown yet, but we're close to touchdown on paid family medical leave. So that's pretty spectacular. Should I go with number eight?
5: You need to tell us what number eight is for sure.
0: (laughs) So number eight was another win. Um, In response to the call from moms, dads, parents, and people and caregivers around the country demanding safety from gun violence, The Biden-Harris administration established their first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. So we're moving the ball down the field there, too. We really want a ban on military-style assault weapons with high-capacity magazines. We're aiming for that. No pun intended. Um, But in the meantime, we're really excited about taking all the steps that we can to ensure safety as we get there. Yeah. So that's number eight. Important. Do you want number
5: nine? I want number nine.
0: Number nine, people, thanks for hanging in there with us. This is a big one. We made or helped make the O pill available over the counter. So there were years and years and years of advocacy by Moms Rising leaders, by Moms Rising members, by partner organizations, by allies. After all of that pushing, after years and years and years and years of pushing, the FDA finally approved the O pill which is the first ever over-the-counter birth control drug for all. This was an absolute victory landmark achievement for reproductive health that wouldn't have been possible, so giant shout out right here, without the work of our partners in Free the Pill, the coalition Free the Pill, along with grassroots pressure, powerful testimony, including for Moms Rising, and much, much more. This is a big deal, people, because in some states, not only is access to abortion care under attack, Access to birth control is under attack, people. And so having um, the O-Pill, which is birth control, available over the counter opens up opportunities for people to make those decisions about their own body with their doctors and to take action. So this was a big victory.
5: Absolutely. And we've just got time for one more. So let us know what the number 10 win was.
0: The number 10 win! It was a big one. It was a big one. It was a big one. Um, So our million members took action from every state in the nation. We have 14 states with deep state-specific work, 21 states with strong local on-the-ground long-term leadership development programs. We generated over 1,600 media moments, and we reached an audience that exceeded 1.2 billion people. People, we raised our voice, we shifted the narrative, and we've been heard. Thank you. Thank you for being part of a movement that's building a nation where every child can thrive and businesses and the economy can thrive too. Thank you.
5: And if people want to get involved and help continue building on these wins in 2024, should they go to MomsRising.org?
0: Of course. They should go to MomsRising.org, Mamas Compoder en Español. You can find us on all social media outlets as well, at MomsRising, at Mamas Compoder. And you know what? It's free. It's free. Anyone with a belly button can be involved. You either need to be a mom or at some point in your life have had a mom and you can be in. Thank you.
5: Fantastic. Thanks for chatting with me, Kristen.
0: Thanks, Eric. Thanks for being on with me right now. And, you know, every week. So people, Eric is there every week, whether you hear him or not. So thank Eric with me. Thank you, Eric. Oh, Thank you. Well, that's it for our show today. Thanks so much for tuning in as we tackle the top topics facing our nation in a way that requires the most boring disclaimer on the history of the planet Earth. Here it goes. Views expressed on this show are those of the individual speakers and should not be attributed to Moms Rising, to this station, or to any news or social media service that may disseminate a recording of this show to the public or to any segment of the public. Boom, we'll catch you next week.
2: We're gonna fight, We're gonna fight for love.